0: Let's pray before we get started. My Father God, we just thank you for this day, God. We thank you for your grace and mercy, God. We thank you for your son, God, and that salvation we have through him. Because without him, we'd have nothing. We'd be lost, God. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm thankful for it, God. I just pray that you, you speak in this message, God. Allow it to be nothing of my words, God. I just pray your words be spoken. And I pray that some, someone can get something from it to apply it to their lives. Lord, I love you, and I praise you. I give you all honor and all glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we heard Ralph read the, the scripture this morning, and it's talking about Paul at his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus, and uh, he fought, he comes on some dis- disciples of John in Ephesus, and he was questioning them about things. But before we get into that, we need to just get a little context into what John's disciples believed. You know, they were still going off of John's message to the Jews that he gave to them in the wilderness. It was a call for repentance, preparing the way for Christ to come. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John was preaching to the Jewish people to repent, and confess their sins. The Jews believed because they were descendants of Abraham that they were good to go with God. They thought they didn't need nothing else. John told them not to assume this and to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and that every tree that bears bad fruit will be cast into the fire, and that Christ will be bat- baptized with the Holy Spirit, and those who were not will burn with unquenchable fire. The message that John gave and the water baptism that he gave was for the Jews to show that they were no different than the Gentiles and that they needed to repent. And confess of their sins and be waiting for the coming of Christ. You know, the Jews were so highly minded that they thought they were so much better than the Gentiles. They thought they were better than everyone else. And Paul had to tell them, You sin just like they do. The repentance that I'm calling you to do is to show people that you're no different. Excuse me. Um, And we see all that in Matthew 3 1 through 11. But as we go through Acts 19, we're going to start in verse 1. And the first thing I want you to see that salvation is only through Christ. In 19:1 through 4, it says, And it happened that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. These were disciples of John. And I want you to understand, disciples here doesn't mean necessarily that they were Christian. The Greek of that is they were learners. And most times you see in the New Testament, Disciple refers to learners. So they learned from John the Baptist. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, In what baptism were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. So what you know, Paul came in here and he had some questions. They they looked and sounded like they knew what they were. They talked about Christ and they they were talking good things. But he learned quickly that they weren't Christians yet. Because you see in Acts 1, and on the top if you got the outline, in Acts 1, 4-5, before Christ ascended back into heaven, he said these words, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promises of the Holy Spirit from the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many, but days from now. And then after that, in Acts 2, we see Pentecost happen, and then we see the Holy Spirit coming down on Christians and people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. These people apparently either didn't know that Christ um, had died already. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit, so they weren't around Pentecost when it happened. And so then Paul said to them, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling them to believe in the one who was to come after this, that is, Jesus. So John, Paul explained to them that that old way is gone. The new way is Jesus. And once they heard that from Paul, they realized everything that John had said. And the message that Paul gave them was true. And they were baptized in the Spirit. In Acts um, 2, 21, 36-38, we'll start in verse 21 of Acts 2. It says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Shall be saved. And then we're going to skip down to verses 36 and we'll read 36 through 38. And this is Peter talking to the people. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul was just reemphasized to to John's disciples what Peter said to the people after Pentecost, that you must repent and be baptized, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The next point I want to give to you is that salvation will be seen. And in verses 5 through 6, we see, We'll read there, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Once you truly repent and confess of your sins to God, there will be a change seen by all people, and they won't see you, but they'll see Christ. After the laying hands on Paul, on the twelve disciples, the Holy Spirit came on them. And to be, they began speaking in tongues of prophesying. And this wasn't done just so they could speak tongues of prophesying. This was because they had no New Testament to go back to at that time to look through, okay, this is why this happened. That was to show them that this same speaking in tongues of prophesying is the same thing that was happening at Pentecost. And we see examples of that in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. I wrote down the wrong scripture. Sorry, Acts eight seventeen. Create this says, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only let's see, been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon the Apostle when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither no part lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this weakness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven for you." You know, we see an example there. Simon, he was a magician who um, who saw this stuff happen, and he he wanted some of that power. But since he wasn't a Christian, he couldn't get that power, and he got condemned by uh, Peter for it. In Second Corinthians 12.12, 12, we see the sign of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs, wonders, and mighty works. You know, it just confirmed that Paul, it wasn't Paul that gave the power to those disciples. It was the Spirit who was an apostle. It was the Spirit, I'm sorry, through Paul did that work. And it was just a sign to show that this was Christ working in them. And in verses 7 through 10, we see salvation will have action in Acts 19. It says, there were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months they spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, took the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. You know, after these disciples of Paul had the Holy Spirit on them, we seen action behind their faith and their salvation. Paul took them into, into the synagogue, which is what some Paul did all the time when he was going on his journeys. He always ended up in the synagogue pretty close to the first thing. And they began speaking boldly, reasoning, and, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And this kingdom of God that they were speaking about, it wasn't a, the future kingdom of heaven. He, they were proclaiming Christ what Christ did on, did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Because the Jews still believed that Christ hadn't come. You know, and in verse 9 it says, some became stubborn and continued in unbelief. You know, that stubborn means defying against God. They didn't want to believe what they were saying. They were speaking evil of the way. They were speaking evil of Christ. You know, they, the way is, you know, I think of the, I keep going back to the seven I am's of scripture. Where, the way, where Christ says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. They weren't having nothing against about that. They were so bullheaded and defiant that they did not want to believe that Christ was the way. But they did this and kept going on for three months. They did that. Then they ended up having to... Eventually, withdraw from there and go to a lecture hall and speak. And they did that for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. The next thing I want to talk about, you know, our power only comes from God. In verse 11, 12, we're going to learn about a group of people that made a big mistake. And um, so in Acts chapter 19, we'll start in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. We'll stop there before I go on. You know, the stuff that you're about to see Paul doing, the writer Luke said these weren't no ordinary miracles. These were extra special, something that he was even amazed by. But... God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. God was working so much through Paul that even people were stealing his aprons, you know, because Paul is a tent maker, right? Can you imagine Paul trying to go to work and all of a sudden he's got another apron missing or he's got cloth missing that he uses? But that's what, but it wasn't Paul's power in that. That was the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit was so much on Paul that even his clothing was healing people and doing great things. In verse 13, we see we're gonna see that um, without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing and powerless. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. We see some Jewish um, exorcists or magicians who thought, hey, I want to get in on this action. I want to do what Paul is doing. So they decided to invoke the name of Jesus. And um, they came upon a demon, evil spirit, and they told him, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of Jewish high priests named Sceva were doing this. There's no record that these were actually sons of a Jewish high priest. They can't find a record of this high priest, Sceva. But they were supposedly of a high priest, the sons of the high priest. But the evil spirit in verse 15 says, but the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Could you imagine you being so insignificant that the devil, the demon don't even know who you are. You're claiming such great power. You're claiming to be the son of God. You're claiming, you're claiming to cast out demons, but the demons like, who are you? I know Jesus. I know of Paul, but who are you? And then, what we see what next is in verse 16 it says and the the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped out on them mastered all of them overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded instead of them performing an exorcism on them we see a reverse exorcism happening on them which they did not expect they thought because they were proclaiming the name of jesus that they were good to go but they did not have The salvation in Christ. They did not have baptism, repentance of sins. They weren't of the Spirit. And so we've seen a reverse exorcism happen, and they got their butt whooped so bad they went out of the house naked. Can you imagine a demon whooping you that bad that you get tossed out of the house naked? But it did something. It did something that, you know, wasn't expected. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jew and Greek And fear fell upon them all, and the name of Jesus was proclaimed. Even though they had no power, even though they could not, the seven sons could not cast out the demon. Christ's name was exalted in the end. Why was that? Because they seen Paul for who he truly was. He wasn't. He was a child of God. He was had all his power and authority was given by God, and the people were were fearing Paul then. And fearing, fearing fearing Christ excuse me in John um 15:4 we we'll go there real quick it says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me Unless you're in Christ, Christ isn't in you. And then we read in 1 John 2.19. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are all or not of us it's just more proof showing unless you're in christ it's going to be evident to others that you are not in christ and then this next part i want to get to is with godly fear comes repentance confession and the word of the lord prevails you know even though they failed to cast out them demons the seven sons of Sceva Like I said, God was still getting the glory. God's name was getting magnified. And then we see what the result of that can happen. In verse um, 18, it says, Also many of those who were now believers came confessing, divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them, I found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver and the name of the Lord so that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. You know, after this happened with the the demons, a number, we've seen people who became believers. and Then they start confessing and divulging that their, their practices. They start confessing and divulging their sins to the point that, you know, and it showed what was going on in Ephesus at this time. You know, they believed, a lot in the magical arts. They believed a lot in the, the witchery and stuff, and they had so much value of those books and stuff that they were using, they said the county the value of them came to 50,000 silver pieces of silver. In our time and money-wise, that's equivalent to $6, 7000000 million worth of books that they took and just burned. But we see an example of what true confession and repentance of sin is by these people who all of a sudden realized who Christ was and the Christ that Paul was preaching about. In 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 11. We'll read that real quick. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did not regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. And this is what godly grief will produce. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves. You know, we've seen that with back here in Acts. You know, they wanted to clear clear their name of any sin that they had, so they took all their books out and burned them. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment, at every point you have proved yourselves innocent in this matter. You know, when you truly fear God and you truly um, have a godly sorrow, there will be a change. There There will be a drastic change in your lifestyle. No longer do you love your sin, but you grieve it to the point of repentance with regret that leads to a salvation with godly sorrow. And you aggressively pursue righteousness. You want to clear your name of sin. You have a righteous anger towards your sin. You have a healthy fear of God who was offended by your sin. You long to restore your relationship with one, of, with the one you sinned against. You have so much zeal for God that you hate anything that goes against him. You long for sin to be punished and can't wait for that day. When you can do this, you prove that your repentance is pure. You know, a lot of times when people... You see a lot of people who say, get saved over and over again, or I pray to God and ask for forgiveness. I pray to God for, you know, to save me from this and that. But there's never a truly repentant heart. They keep going back to those old ways and old things of doing things. And if you truly want Christ in your heart, if you truly want a changed heart, there has to be a lifestyle change. Um, You know, the one part of that that verse in 7-8, I'm sorry, um, 10, it says, worldly grief produces death. Too many times we as people, when we sin or we repent or whatever, we're not doing it with worldly grief. Because if we truly had godly grief, we'd repent of our sins, and we would turn away from that sin, and that wouldn't be in our life no more. But worldly sin produces death. And the example I thought on that was, was Judas, Judas was a disciple of Christ. He was there with Christ every step of the way. Saw the miracles. Probably performed some miracles himself with Christ. Did some things. But what did we see Judas do at the end? You know, he betrayed Christ. You know, and instead of going going to Christ and asking for forgiveness, what did he do? He went to a hill and hung himself, and ended it. You know, Peter was no different as far as sin wise, what he did. You know, he denied Christ, but we saw a difference between Peter and Judas. Peter had worldly sorrow. I mean, Peter had godly sorrow, and Judas had worldly sorrow. And the thing we got to be, I'm not telling anybody to say that you're, if you say you're Christian, you're not saved or to question your salvation. But if you ever wonder why you feel like you got no power or God's not working in your life, or there's nothing going on, right? Or, um, I will say it. You just feel like something's not right, but because you keep going back to your sins, you keep struggling with these things. Have you truly repented? You know, like Kevin said, I think last week, and it's been kind of a. You hear him say it off and on. You know, there's people in these doors that proclaim to be Christian. You know but they're going to go to hell one day. We th- Just because you come in this church and sing, you can perform up on stage, you can do Sunday school, doesn't make you a Christian. We've seen Judas, who did all those things with Christ, and look where he's at. You know, in Psalms 41, nine, Paul, I mean Christ, refers to this verse, and it's a mezcal, um Psalm of David. He's got it up there. It says, and this was Christ referring to to this psalm. It says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. His close friend. Christ looked to him as a friend. So that, you know, should tell you that just because you're in these doors, doing these things, we can call each other brother, we can call each other sister, but that doesn't mean, mean we're a child of God unless we truly repent of our sins, unless we have a godly sorrow, unless we have a drastic change in our lifestyle, we don't love our sin, we grieve it to the point of repentance and regret that leads to salvation with godly sorrow, and we aggressively pursue righteousness, we want to clear our names of sin, have a righteous anger towards sin, unless we can do all that, we can say our lives are like that, You need to do some self evaluation. Because, you know, salvation isn't just for people outside these walls. we got to make sure we're right when we're in these doors. So I guess my main point of this message is, have you truly repented of your sins? Have you truly confessed your sins? You know, and the thing about here, back in Acts, in verse um 19, uh, let's see. In eighteen and nineteen, where it says when they came confessing and divulging their practices, this was done openly. This is not something they just did in the the, bar, the back. See, everyone knew that they um, they were letting everyone know about their sins. They weren't hiding it with nobody. There was no shame in it. But sometimes when we sit there, sit here, and oh God, forgive me my sins, but there's no change because you got no accountability. If you want change don't hide your sin to the world confess it confess to us that you're in sin and then you'll see action behind it that's all i got brother. so but um let the worship team come up i'm If you have sin in your life that you need to confess, now's the best time to do it. Don't wait for to go home or go anywhere. Confess your sins because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You may think you got time. But one thing this last two years has taught me, you know, it started off with Heath. Heath was my age. That one that one was a gut punch. That first death, it really hit me in the gut because he's... Just a little bit older than me. You know, we've had a lot of older people die. But we also lost Nick, same age as me. You think you got time. You don't have time. Michelle, my age. Just because you think you're in good shape, good to go. Amanda, Kirby, um, Lee Thornton. They never thought it was going to happen that quick. But every one of them people, like especially, but Nick, though, prepared us for this. Through the short time that we had with him, he was preparing us for his passing. And he was preparing preparing us and telling us to tell others about Christ, to repent and confess of our sins. So if you need to uh, repent, confess of something, now's the time.